reach for the sky, boy. Rolex work. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of DTF Does Sports. I'm your host, Eric Brown. You can follow me on Twitter at EricBrown740. And with me, as always, is my mutual host, the homie, the Tennessee volunteer fan himself, Barry Frost. Barry, how you doing, homie? Doing well, brother. Excited. Uh, another sports show. Another NFL season has uh, came to an end. Man, they got it in, didn't they? They did. Impressive. We had our doubts. We didn't know. Um, real apprehensive going into the season, see how it goes. Even though, especially when the Browns started doing good, like, there's no way we're finishing this shit. Not gonna happen. Not with my luck. But they did, and we're gonna talk about Super Bowl 55 right the fuck now. Chiefs were a what three and a half point favorite going into this game. We both picked the Chiefs to win. America pretty much picked the Chiefs to win. Yeah. Thomas Brady was having none of it. None of it. Uh, Tampa Bay got the ball first. They punted. Kansas City punted. Tampa Bay punted. And there was this weird stat that Tom Brady's teams have never had a touchdown in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Yep. That's a weird, weird, weird stat. Well, after the 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 back-to-back-to-back punts to start the game, which I thought was a little unusual, and the over-under of this game was, what, 55, 55 and a half? Uh, I, I got it at 56 is what I saw, but yeah, probably dropped some. Okay, well, everybody was hammering that over too, by the way. Yep. Uh, longest play over 45 yards, everybody was hammering that. And then the first score of the game was Harrison Butker's 49-yard field goal. Chiefs up 3-0, 323 in the game. The Chiefs had moved the ball a little bit up to this point. They had uh, six plays their first drive, eight plays their second drive. You're like, all right, they're going to get going here soon. Tampa Bay got the ball. Uh, Tom Brady, short left pass, eight play, 75, 70-yard drive for four and a half minutes. Tampa Bay scored their first uh, – Tom Brady scored his first uh, first quarter touchdown Super Bowl ever. A little short pass to Gronk for eight yards. Gronk had a big day. Barry at this point, and then there was another punt by KC. Turnover on downs by Tampa Bay. Score 7-3. Remember that turnover on downs was down at the goal line. Kansas City had a great goal line stand there. And you're thinking, all right, this is – I felt like the whole time we just kept waiting. Or there's the marketing director. She had indigestion last night, Barry. Uh-oh. Eating like just, I do. That'll do that to you. Look, Buffalo Chicken Dip did not agree with her. Red wine, cheese sticks, cheese curds. She went hey. all in on her – and she watched the entire Super Bowl game. That's what I like to hear, girl. You keep eating like me. Well, she swore that off since she had a life-changing experience last <laughs> night when she had indigestion for the first time in her life. And, see, you'll get used to that. And then comes the other stuff, and it's fine after that. Well, anyway, after the turnover on downs, Casey has the ball with the length of the field to go. What was your thought? And scores 7-3 to three to Tampa lead. What was your thought process here, Barry? This is uh, in the second quarter, early in the second quarter. 
Yeah, like you said, every, I kept waiting for Kansas City to break, you know, break out. Here they come. And when they got that goal line stand, I was like, there it is. Mm-hmm. There's the momentum. That's the that's the game changer. They're going to come down here. They're going to score. And they hit a big play. And then I think they got out to like the 25 or 30. And then Travis Kelsey ends up with a case of the dropsies. Yeah. And it just was like, whoa, like these guys just don't have it today. And they did not have it at all, like you said. And last week we talked about, Barry, what did I say the Buccaneers defense was going to have to do and what player was going to have to do it to affect Patrick Mahomes and get him off his spot? Well, it was uh, JPP, but you said Shaq Barrett, and yes. uh, yeah, it, and you had to get you had to get uh, Patrick Mahomes out out of the pocket on that bad toe, and they did that. I mean, mm-hmm. between Shaq Barrett and JPP, who is another crazy stat, eight and zero in the Super Bowl. That's insane. Eight and zero in the playoffs. That's insane. Yeah, playoffs. Uh, so he's basically made it twice. He went with the 2011 Giants and this year's Tampa Bay squad. But, uh, man, they had a hell of a day. The, those two wrecked havoc on uh, Kansas City. On those and, backup tackles. Yeah. and But, I mean, Mahomes made some throws. Like, he, he was falling out of bounds, and basically it looked like he flicked it underhanded. 30 some yards and it hit dude in the fucking helmet, like right in the face mask. So a stat came out that a stat came out that he ran almost 500 yards scrambling. Yeah, that's insane. That's nuts. On that bad toe, they um, you know, they've always said they've been saying for three years now, or yeah, three years now, you cannot blitz Patrick Mahomes. He's gonna burn you if you blitz him, and. To me, I always thought that was kind of weird because, so what, you just sit back and let him pick you apart? The guy with maybe the greatest arm talent the game's ever seen? You're just going to let him pick you apart? I mean, to me, that's, they were able to get back there. Now, if you're able to get back there, I think you should do it. And the way they mixed, I mean, he looks, Barry, he looked confused. I've ne- That's the worst game Patrick Mahomes has had in his pro career, by far. Yeah. But I think, you know, the the tackles didn't hold up. And not every team has a Shaq Barrett and an Dominican Sue, a JPP coming at you every single play. I mean, and they they just had no – they didn't adjust. There was no adjustments. Mm-mm. I thought they would. Uh, but Andy Reid just didn't – there was no adjustments to be he made. He would not run the ball. He would not run the ball, which I thought was asinine. You know, when you're getting that pressure, they're playing uh, two deep safeties. They're taking away Tyreek Hill. They're obviously bringing pressure from lots of different ways. They're bringing corners, everything else. To me, you have got to beat that with running the ball in a screen game. And they just would not do it. And I thought that was a real st- – I mean, they didn't really commit to running the ball till maybe parts of the third quarter. Yeah, it was too late. It was. It was just. It was too late at that point. You know, they get the ball the full length of drive, and 
down seven three, they have four plays. Yeah, huh. Edward Edwards Hilaire had some nice runs. Like, I mean, yeah. he, he had some nice, nice runs. And then it was like, oh, well and not only was a punt not only was it a punt, your punter shanked it. Yeah. That was after yeah. he dropped it and there was a penalty. Then he shanked it for like a twenty nine yard punt, I believe. Yeah. And a twenty eight yard punt. So Tampa Bay gets the ball back, six play, twenty eight yard drive for three minutes. Another touchdown pass to Gronk. This one for 17 yards makes it 14-3. KC gets the ball back. They go 10 plays, 61 yards. Their most promising drive of the day by far. They have to settle for a field goal. And this is when it started getting hairy. Other teams scoring touchdowns, you're kicking field goals. Harrison Bucker kicked a field goal. Tambay gets the ball back again. Five plays, 29-yard touchdown. This is after a guy dropped a pass in the end zone. But AB got a touchdown this time. Then you had an unsportsmanlike conduct with Tyron Matthew and Tom Brady. I don't know what Brady said. Apparently enough that he felt the need to send an apology to Tyron Matthew, which I thought was wild. And KC kicks a field goal to start the third quarter. They get the ball back down 21-6. You're like, all right, they need a touchdown here. And they don't. They kick another field goal to make it 21-9. And that was their last score of the game. Yeah. Which is insanity. Tampa gets the ball back again. Fournette. 27-yard touchdown run, make it 28-9. KC throws a pick. Tampa Bay throws an interception, make it 31-9, which ended the scoring. So there was no scores in the fourth quarter at all. Um, a really surprising game, a really eye-opening game, I thought. I thought that Andy Reid was outcoached. I thought Todd Bowles. I know that Brady got the MVP, and I get it. I'm cool with that. Todd Bowles had a hell of a game plan on the defensive side of the football for the uh, Buccaneers. Yeah, and Spagnolia had nothing. And, you know, he had nothing for Brady on, no. the, on Kansas City defensive side. So, you know, it was, like you said, it was an eye-opener. Nobody had done that to the Chiefs at all. I don't think it's been done to them, you know. Either catch, I mean... The Raiders did it, but not like not like that. Not like that. And I think the scary thing is is what's a motivated now embarrassed Kansas City team do coming into next season? Or do they fall back to earth a little bit? That's true. They have that, they have that doubt in their mind. Yeah. Yeah, this is the uh, I saw that. Russell Wilson, what was it? Uh, first year, lost in the conference championship. Second year, won the Super Bowl. Third year, lost the Super Bowl to Tom Brady. Exact same thing Patrick Mahomes has had happen. Yeah. So it's seems like they got a lot of people coming back. They'll be able to run it back. Patrick Mahomes, 26-49, 270, no touchdowns and two picks. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, nine carries, 64 yards. 7.1 yard average. Kelsey, 10 catches, 133. Tyreek Hill, seven, 7 catches for 73. Um, the Buccaneers side of the ball, Tom Brady, extremely efficient. 21 of 29 for only 201 yards, but three touchdowns. They also operate on a lot of short fields. Leonard, Super Bowl Lenny, 16 carries, 89 yards. Touchdown, Ronald Jones, 12 carries, 61 yards. 
they just hammered people with their with their running back after they got a lead. Gronk six catches, sixty seven yards. Fournette four for forty six. Gronk had two touchdowns. Mike Evans one catch for thirty one yards. Chris Godwin two for nine. AB five for twenty two. Um, Kansas City played their worst game of the year. Tampa Bay played their best game of the year. Yeah, it was, and and the penalties eleven to four. That was wild. That's something else we gotta uh, talk about. A hundred and some yards to, um, like, the, what thirty four some. Just you know, Kansas City's played like that all year, and yeah. I just found it fucking odd that in that Super Bowl it seemed like the referees set the tone that okay you're you're done and maybe so many penalties that early because it was like eight to one at halftime it was eight to one at halftime you're right i mean that got that has to wear on you mentally like man, they were we all hold, nothing they were all defensive holds and pis too yeah like man we can't do nothing and and you can't tell me Tampa Bay played that clean of a game not to get some something called on them. I'm, it's, just, it's radio, but you can't see me, but I'm nodding my head. So I got no problem with the actual pen, penalties that were called because I feel like, you know, those guys are coached that way. You know, grab, hold. I, I, I bitched about it during the Browns game. That's how the Chiefs play. Fine. Whatever. Call it both ways. Tampa Bay was not playing that clean. They were grabbing Holden Hill. They're glad grabbing Holden Travis Kelsey. Just and again, the Chiefs also didn't have other people step up. How many balls were dropped? Miko Hardman. I don't think that's why they lost the game. Because that'd be like I don't think the Browns lost the, their divisional game because of that Rashard Rashard Higgins hit in the first half. But it definitely would have changed if, things. Right, and, I, and like I said, I think mentally. It fucked with them some, the defense, yeah. because it's like, we can't do nothing. Like, eh, we, we can't do anything out here because they're calling everything on us. And, I mean, it, it is what it is. But The Teron, the Teron Matthew interception, when they called the hold on that, I thought it was extremely ticky-tack. Yeah. That was maybe the only one, that I, the actual call, that like I'd be like, I don't know if I would have called that. All the other ones I would have called. But I'm, what you're saying is it's not like Tampa Bay played that clean. Like, if you're going to call it that tight, don't call it that tight on just one side of the ball. Right. Exactly. And, and that's kind of what it looked like to me a little bit. Yeah. And I said, if, you know, if you're going to just come out and fuck them, just tell them, hey, you're not winning this game. You know, whatever it is, you're not winning. But that doesn't, I mean... That's not an excuse for, like, Teron Matthew getting cooked by A.B. down the goal line. I no. mean, just cooked. No, not at all. But, again, like I said, that fucks with you. Like, okay, man, I can't put a hand on him. I can't try to, you know, impede him like I've been doing all season. Now, this is like goes back to that Green Bay game. Green Bay-Tampa Bay, where the referees, you know, they call, they didn't call anything. And then that end of the game, oops. Yeah. There's that pass interference. And then they called a pass interference on Mike Evans. Uh on not they, on Mike Evans, but on who Teron was. Teron Matthew. Teron Matthew the one the goal he line. He didn't even touch him. Mike Evans just ran into him. Just ran into him and they called it. Yeah. I thought that was ridiculous as well. But 
you know, you have Brady more chance he's going to capitalize. The score is 31 to 9. Tom Brady was your Super Bowl MVP. He's got seven Super Bowl rings and 10 appearances. Gronk has four. Antonio Brown's a champion. Bruce Arians a champion. I'm glad to see Bruce Arians get a ring. Yeah. I thought that I've always thought that he was one of the the good guys at the NFL. I th- the the way that he has uh, a progressive thinking mind with the way he's done uh, hiring on his staff with two women and black coordinators, I thought was absolutely fantastic representation. It speaks to his views on race relations and social justice and things like that. I think that's I think that he's a great ambassador for the game in that way. Dude's got juice. The no risk at no biscuit I can get behind. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not mad if Bruce Aaron's getting a ring at all. Now, this is going to go into our next little conversation, Barry. This is maybe me slightly trolling you a little bit because I know you're going to have a huge reaction. Uh, there's been a new debate come up here recently. The Goat of Goats. And people are calling Tom Brady the Goat of all the Goats. Your thoughts. I think that's very cute. That's, you know, that's that's nice to say. <clears throat> but to me, as a, a sporting figure in any sport, the, the greatest of all times, and he even called himself that, is Muhammad Ali. And I don't even think it's close. And... That's and that's not just for what he did in sports. That's for what he did around the world. Uh, I'm, I'm not mad at that. But that you're problem? obviously a lot. You're a lot more well versed in boxing than I am. That's a oh. for you to have that opinion. I mean, I'm something I wouldn't touch. I would think that would be the case as far as him being the greatest of all time in his sport. I I'll tell you, me and my grandma had an argument over this. <laughs> She's saying Rocky Marciano. No, it wasn't. She said, because, you know, he's from Louisville, Kentucky, and she tried to tell me that George Clooney's mom was the most famous person from Louisville, Kentucky. I don't even know who that is. And it was Rosemary Clooney's her name. And I said, you know, now this is my grandma. I love her. She's passed on. But I said, are you out of your fucking mind? So granny like that? I had to. I said, I'd you're man, talking man, about... Dolores would, ooh, Dolores would have been on me if I said that to her, boy. <laughs> Rest in peace, Dolores. I lost her a day after th- Christmas, but my goodness, she would have been all over me. Well, I, I, I didn't say I didn't get hit with anything. I just said, you know, I said, you're talking about probably the most recognizable figure in the ever, and the, maybe in the world, is Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And... You're trying to tell me that Rosemary Clooney is, is more famous than him. Yeah, I think but, uh, out of pocket on that one a little bit. Right, I, lo- she, I love her. I never met her, but I love her. She right. She possibly could have been drinking or something at that time, but uh, you know, Ali, to me, just everything he did, uh, what he stood for, um, embraced everybody, showed love to everybody. Um, even you know, there's a great clip of him uh, and a young Mike when Mike Tyson was, you know, the baddest of the bad, 
on uh, the Arsenio Hall show. And uh, Arsenio was like, well, who would win? And Mike Tyson, even then, he said, we all must bow to somebody. And I would I would bow to him. And um, and George, I mean, Jordan, you know, like you probably were thinking I was going to say Jordan. Um, even they all basically bowed down to fucking Ali. And to me, he's the he's the greatest of all time in yeah, sports. I, I would hear that argument. I would put in consideration. Tiger Woods. I don't think anyone that I've seen in my life has dominated their sport to the level that Tiger has. Uh, That was the first time I think that we watched golf and we were let down when somebody didn't win. We expected one guy to win an entire golf tournament, which golf is such a hard game with a lot of parity. It's tough to go out there every weekend and put up good scores. And this dude was dominating people. And intimidating people to the point that, you know, I don't think the Tiger Woods phenomenon, I don't want to speak for Ali. The Tiger Woods phenomenon to me only comparable to Michael Jordan as far as what I've seen in my lifetime. As far as the fandom, the phenomenon, the coverage, the way the fans react when they see the man, it was, he was a god in his sport. And then it kind of all came crashing down. Really good documentary on HBO Max, two-part documentary. If you guys get a chance to watch it on Tiger, it talks about everything, and it's very eye-opening. It kind of really just made me feel bad for the guy. You know, he was basically a robot. He was built to do one thing, you know. And then when the kind of like uh, Frankenstein, right? When when the doctor wasn't around, the monster. I don't know the Frankenstein story, but anyway, the the engineer died, and the robot fucking went off the rails. Yeah, I think a little bit there. So when um obviously and also um Serena Williams yeah 23 Grand Slam titles uh the way that well and her sister was not quite as dominant as Serena was but Serena was she dominated 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 her sport yeah, I do me. think that, I do think that Tom Brady um is the greatest most impactful football player that's ever breathed there. I fully believe that. I mean, you're talking about 10 Super Bowl appearances, seven wins, the length of the career, which I do think that the rules have helped him out. Yeah. He's not getting hit the last five or six years the way he was getting hit the first five or six years of his career. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not even close. So I think that the uh, the change in the rules has made it possible for him to stay upright. And and I'm not mad at that. I don't think – because I always think that, like, you know – I played the quarterback position, so maybe I have a little in, in the '90s. So maybe I have a little stronger opinion about this. But when I throw the ball, and then a second and a half later, somebody drills me, spears me in the lower back, and they're up celebrating like they laid one. That's a cheap shot. When somebody would dive at somebody's knees, yeah, that's a cheap shot. That's not a great defensive play. That's not to playing quarterback in the NFL. And the results have shown. I mean, he, this dude basically picked a random team and was like, "Y'all want to go to the Super Bowl?" That team was seven and nine last year. So, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, again, I, I keep thinking about like how the Browns just won a playoff game, 
and we celebrated like we i mean it was a great achievement and this dude's been the super bowl 10 times and won seven of them that's that's more than any other franchise that's 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 an listen he went to michigan i'm an ohio state fan i can't even i can't even argue it i feel like if you argue against tom brady being the goat in the nfl you sound stupid at this point you just sound like a hater there's I'm nothing pre- i'm prepared for the well you're prepared to look wrong because no well no it's no it's way. absolutely insanity what this guy has done in that sport it's never ever ever been seen before and he's gonna be next year is his age 44 season he looked like he was 26 out there this year the way he was throwing the ball now his mobility obviously has taken a hit but he was never the most noble guy anyway he's right. not like a guy like lamar you know what i mean or maybe that's a bad example um anybody who uses their feet to create space like when russ loses a step he might have a little more of a problem. Tom Brady never even had the step to begin with. He got the most, I, I would dare to say this, he got the most out of his talent of any player in NBA his, or NFL history. And there's a long list, and you talk about your John Randalls and people like that. But, I mean, a six-round pick, 199 overall, and a lot, of that, a lot of that blame could be placed on Michigan and not committing to him and trying to play Drew Hansen. And Brady being a part-time player till basically the last half of his senior season there, which is think about that. They tried to not make Tom Brady their quarterback. This isn't a, a troll in Michigan that actually fucking happened. So in the time tamp for the NFL draft, the question was always, well, why come he couldn't win the starting job at Michigan? What makes me? Why would I draft into my NFL team when he couldn't win the job at his college team? That was a real thought, and Bill Belichick talked about that thought. Yeah, they drafted, but they also passed on him five times. Right. You know, so to me, that guy is unbelievable. I'm not even a hater anymore. He did have the best Instagram story of all time, which I thought was great. But yeah, I, I mean, not what we expected to see in the Super Bowl this year. But I mean, a lot of people bet against Tom Brady and lost. Right. And that actually fucking happened. So it is what it is. <clears throat> Um, Are you ready to talk about something? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to hit you with, um, do you know, uh, from Super Bowl, you know, from the playoffs, from the beginning of the playoffs to now, um, the most passing yards in a single uh, postseason, do you know the quarterback that holds that? Single postseason passing yards. Yeah. Four games, it's. I think it's like twelve hundred and yeah, so it, it, it has to be somebody that probably went to the Super Bowl with a wild card. Let me put two and two together. You're a Giants fan. I'm gonna go ahead and say Eli Manning. Oh my God, you're brilliant. Okay, this nine touchdowns, one picks. Literally nobody whooped, cares. Whooped Tom Brady's ass. Goat status at twice. He's two and zero against Tom on the biggest stage. So don't forget Tom that. Tom is seven and three on the biggest stage. This He's dude rolled. Up, two this dude rolled the up to the Super Bowl like it was a casual event. And he should have because he wasn't playing Eli and the Giants. Wow. And so, but I wanted to say this as a serious note. Um, season's over. NFL season's over. Uh, some highlights from the season that you had. I just thought of this. 
um, some of your favorite highlights, uh, things that we've seen this year from uh, the NFL? Well, I'm just going to get my Brown stuff out of the way first. Uh, I feel like our big coming out party down in Dallas was enormous. Um, Route in Tennessee, Baker had him in a historical first half. Clinching a playoff berth against Pittsburgh at home against their so-called JV squad, and then beating the Corvette, Corvette Steelers in the wildcard round was an unbelievable season. Stefanski getting player or getting coach of the year. Baker playing out of his mind second half of the season was this is definitely a memorable football season for me. For me, the uh, the coming out party for Josh Allen. I thought that he solidified himself as a right outside, I mean, knocking on the door of that top-tier quarterback in the NFL. Um, Aaron Rodgers Tuesday, every Tuesday on Pat McAfee's show. I thought that was a very eye-opening, personable, honest interview that that dude gave every single week. And the fact that he gave it after they got knocked out of the playoffs, I, I don't know. I became a fan of him. You know what I mean? I became a fan of the guy. I just thought, like, I don't know. I just, just kind of liked him. Like his, the way he looked at life, his his sense of humor. I I, I just I thought it was really cool, and it was funny because like my wife, who you know obviously not a big sports fan, but she'll bet she'll pay attention just because she's sitting in the living room with me. She really enjoyed Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. She thought that was great. Uh, what else? Dak Prescott earning more money while being hurt than he would have while he was if he was playing. It was insanity. No, uh, the Cowboys have. A lot to figure out, but I thought that Dak going down, that whole situation down in Dallas, when a lot of people picked them to go deep into the playoffs, them going 6-10 and 10 with that defense that was historically bad. Oh, man. All the, all the unhappy quarterbacks in the NFL. The Patriots, the Patriots coming back to life a little bit. Uh, man, there's so many. Derrick Henry getting 2,000 yards. Aaron Rodgers getting the MVP. It was, I mean, and then, of course, you know, Tom Brady doing what he does, winning the seventh Super Bowl was probably the most memorable thing of the season. How about for you? Um, uh, for me, uh, Derrick Henry rushing for 2,000 yards. I think we, you know, we talked about it during the, the season on the show. I don't think we'll see another back do that for, for a, a long, long time. Unless it's Derrick Henry again. Uh, you just don't see that in a pass-happy league. Um, and, hell, it could be the last time we see it uh, in our lives. I don't know. Uh, very impressive accomplishment. Um, you know, Devontae Adams. You know, we knew he was good. But this year, I think we kind of saw he was he's that dude. He is He is that guy. Uh, he is fucking unguardable one-on-one. I, he impressed me so, so much. Um, you know, the Chiefs doing what they did, uh, making it back to a Super Bowl. Uh, here we are. They're, uh, was this, this is their second Super Bowl. I mean, if they, if they make it next year and, and lose, are they, turned into the the upper echelon buffalo bills of the 2000s you know i i don't know uh travis kelsey um un, un, unguardable one-on-one 
Very impressive season. Uh, Tyreek Hill is just a fucking cheat code. He's a glitch. Um, man. Uh, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, the new Thunder and Lightning. Yeah. Uh, dangerous moving forward I, and i think the browns are going to be a dangerous dangerous team in the future baker played crazy like you said my giants um seem like they they picked up steam towards the end um i i'm excited if saquon can stay healthy what uh, daniel jones can actually do instead of you know teams being able to just load up on him because nothing's coming you know i th- I think, that Joe Judge, I, think, I think that Joe Judge squeezed a lot of juice in the berry for the Giants. I think you guys have the right coach. And I think that next year is make or break for Daniel Jones, just like this year was for Baker Mayfield. I, I agree. I think he has to do something. But I think, you know, his weapons have to stay healthy. I mean, he lost everybody for probably five, six games total. He lost Saquon for damn near the whole season. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to run down every team. But those are kind of the the more memorable things. Like I said, Brady went in seven. That's, you know, absolutely crazy talk when you even think about it. So, uh, I mean, I'm excited for next year I'm, uh, to see the growth in some of these teams. I'm excited to see Matt Stafford in L.A., you know. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And, and this leads very good transition, Barry. That's, that was very professional of you, right? There. That's right. That's right. We're going to talk about the quarterback carousel now. Something we'll touch on whenever we get news coming across about the quarterback carousel. But right now, it's coming out that the Philadelphia Eagles apparently have a king's ransom for Carson Wentz. They're asking for multiple first-round draft picks, and they said that nobody has even come close to matching their demands. And one source said it's led them to having hearing dial tones on the other end of the phone. I think what happened was they uh, they looked at they looked at the Matt Stafford contract. We were kind of taking the whole uh, shoot for the moon, land in Hawaii approach. <laughs> but I do think they're going to move him. They hired – the Eagles hired uh, Jalen Hurts, a quarterback coach that Jalen Hurts has known for years. It seems like they're pretty committed to going that direction. I don't know who's going to blow up their future for Carson Wentz. I don't think anybody, I think they're going to have to, somebody's going to eat some of that contract, but where do you see as potential landing spots for Carson Wentz? Man, with that contract, like I said, I, I think they're going to have a hard time moving him. I just, I really have to settle. They're going to somehow meet somebody in the middle as to what they're asking. Yeah. I don't even know if it's going to be meeting in the middle. I think they're going to have to eat some of it. If they really want him gone, because I don't know if he go. I honestly don't know who can handle that contract. Well, um, contract aside, maybe uh, Colts. Uh, maybe Jacksonville. Maybe. Okay, with this question, who would you rather have? And obviously, you have Carson Wentz for the bigger price tag, or Sam Darnold who we don't really know what he is yet. Could be a bust, could have been in a bad situation, and could be a good player. Obviously, he's going to cost you a much smaller price. Which one would you rather have on your team? Man, I 
you know, I honestly would take Sam Darnold because I just feel like it's un, untapped, maybe. Yeah. Like, I think we've seen the best of Carson Wentz, and I don't think we've seen the best of Sam Darnold. There was, you know, when the Baker draft actually happened, when the Browns have number one overall pick after an 0-16 season, I was screaming for Darnold. I thought he was great coming out of USC. And then he went to a dog shit situation up there in New York, which obviously you're picking that part of the draft, top five. You're, it's, you had a dog shit season the year before. But the Browns were able to write that shit and get in the playoffs, and the Jets have not improved one iota. And he's been hurt a lot and bad coaching, no talent around him. The Le'Veon Bell experiment didn't work out at all. I mean, no receivers. Robbie Anderson left. He was basically the one receiver they had. Jameson Crowder can't stay on the field. I think that, like, man, unless I'm sure I can turn Carson Wentz around and back to what he was, the Bears keep coming up with Carson Wentz, which is funny because they have Nick Foles, too. That's kind of hilarious. But to me, he's coming back to the Colts and Frank Reich for me as far as, like, where the best fit for Wentz would be. I'll tell you what, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm not super stoked about Ben coming back this year, next year, I should say. Because I feel like with all these quarterbacks moving this offseason, this would be the perfect time for them to get in on that. And I think a lot of guys would want to come play for the vaunted Pittsburgh Steelers and a well-run organization and stability on the coaching staff. I think that would be attractive to a lot of, and a huge fan base. I think that would be attractive to a lot of players. And for Ben to come back this last year and miss out on what could be your next five, six years at the quarterback position, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm not too stoked about that. Yeah, I I think I told you, I, th- I just think Roethlisberger was going to come back. I think he, in his mind, he still has something left. Um, he's wrong. You know, he's, when you look at what he's done, Throughout his career, he's like I said, man, he's taken a fucking beating uh, over his career. I mean, he has absolutely taken a beating, and he's a, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not taking that from him, but that's all. It's a hard fucking thing to swallow when it's time to go. And you know, Mary, when you look at the All 22 of the playoff game against the Browns. This man, they were playing a defense, or basically they were playing a small umbrella defense, and he was not throwing the ball, could not throw the ball over 20 yards. It was kind of like Drew Brees a little bit. And it was, I don't want to say it was sad to see, but he was lost out there in that playoff game. And if you get in a situation where he has to make plays, which is where he used to be most dangerous, he couldn't do it. Yeah. He couldn't react the way, he couldn't see the way, he couldn't move the way. To me, it's time to step away. You're not doing your franchise a favor by coming back this year for, you know. He just say, and I think the they're going to have to renegotiate the contract because it was going to be $41 million next year. They picked up his option. They definitely ain't picking that up. Yeah, and I, like Drew Brees redone his. I mean, that was pretty cool. You know, that was good for the Saints. Well, he didn't have much of a choice. Right, but he you know, he was gonna retire and all that and be done. Well, here, let me do this before you know what I mean. 
let me take care of this before I do it. So something that surprised me today that came out. So Russell Wilson's camp, whatever that means, his people have said that they're not thrilled with the protection that the Seahawks have provided for Russell Wilson. Now, let me tell you where this stems from a little bit, Bear. I did a little bit of digging here. Okay. So, Seahawks offensive coordinator was Brian Schottenheimer, which we'll talk about the Schottenheimers at the end of the show here. But who had an offensive philosophy that differed from Coach Carroll? And Coach Carroll ended up getting rid of him, saying that the philosophy that Brian Schottenheimer had didn't exactly line up with the one that he had for the way he envisioned the offense. Schottenheimer's philosophy was let Russ cook. Was let Russ do his thing. Well, when Russell Wilson, when they fired Bronson Schottenheimer, was not overly thrilled with that. And they came out and said, well, you don't like the way his philosophy is? I don't like the way you fucking protect me. And he's been on his ass pretty much since, you know, the Super Bowl years when they committed all that money to Russ. Uh-huh. So I don't know. I think it's worth monitoring. I don't think that, you know, it's a situation where he's going to force his way out right now. But I do think it's a kind of a response to Wills at the offensive coordinator a little bit. Do you think there's a chance he would move? Uh, I think he likes uh, Pete Carroll. I think he, I think he likes playing in Seattle. You know, his kids are there. I, I well, think his kid and future's kid. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> um, but I think he's comfortable in that situation. So I think he stays. Yeah, I think he does too. I think there's a chance. I think I think he stays. Rogers stays. I think there's a strong chance that Sean Watson stays because the team has all the leverage there. And if he sits, I don't. Let me say this: I don't. I'm not quite sold on him being traded this offseason. I think that Dak stays. Whether well, I think it'll be a franchise tag though. And yeah, so I think I do think we're gonna see some movement, but Carson Wentz doesn't. He's not. He's not Matt Stafford as far as like what he should be drawing. They they put a. I just read a thing where they said uh, the best fit for Dak Prescott is in Carolina. I've I do I swear to God I've always said it was San Francisco. Yeah, I, you said San Francisco, but uh, I just was reading a thing said he uh, his best fits in Carolina with. Uh, you know, McCaffrey and guys like that. I don't know. And Rule and Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel and yeah, I, I mean I don't hate it. Yeah, but I don't I don't know if that's uh the best fit for him. I mean there's some options. I think I think Jerry's gonna franchise him. Yeah, I agree. See how see how that injury held up. And then if he's healthy, I think then the long term will come. But I don't think Jerry's gonna pay him until he has to, which kinda Kind of sucks for Dak. And, you know, listen, we talked about last week. I A lot of teams in the NFL look for franchise quarterbacks, and they have one in the building. They should probably keep him there. I agree, 100%. Next up, talk a little baseball, Barry. Trevor Bauer finally picked a team. Ugh. He signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is a three-year contract worth $102 million. 
there is a player option at the end of each season. First year, year 2021, which will be his age 30 season, next this year, he will be making $40 million. Next, year number two, 2022, his age 31 season, he will be making $45 million. In the third year, his age 32 season, he is slated to make $17 million. Um, looking at this, if he... If his value is more than that $17 in his mind going into that third year, he will be opting out after that second year. Yeah. That's just, that's good business. It's a very, um, Bauer's famous for betting on himself. So I don't, not surprised by this contract at all. It's basically a series of one year deals that he decides what he wants to do after each season. He holds all the leverage. Smart by him, smart. I mean, he again, a guy that believes in himself. A lot of guys would go for the, you know, the five, six year deal with all the security, 40 million, 35 million per. Uh, I think it's a good deal by for him. You know, he's a young guy, his agent, Rachel Luba. I thought she negotiated a very, very, very good deal. Dodgers payroll is enormous, <laughs> they ain't afraid. I mean, remember when people used to talk shit about the Yankees? Been like the evil empire. The yeah. fucking Dodgers said, hey, hold our beer. <laughs> Let us spend some money, too. Trevor Bauer makes more than the entire Indians team. I was going to say, where are the Indians at on this list? So the they're, they're last. Oh. So the Dodgers 2021 payroll, you're looking at $234,839,000. The next closest is the Yankees. At 189.8. Indians are all the way down at number 30 at 36.5. That is I'm it's such a difficult thing. I'm not fault, faulting Trevor Bauer at all. Uh did what he had to do. It came out that he was gonna sign with the Mets, and then the Dodgers came in and got him. Dodgers the GM of the Dodgers' jaws put the best product on the field possible. But there is an element to be said that like teams like now the Indians I'm taking out of this because you know the Indians ownership is the fourth richest ownership in baseball. They're the Dolan family. Um cousin of the guy that owns the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Larry Dolan, cousin of Paul Dolan, who owns the the Knicks. I just you know if the Pirates were to pay a guy like Trevor Bauer this money, they cannot miss on it. Yeah. And it's going to affect the way they spend the rest of their roster. Dodgers, don't, or Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Angels are not operating on that on that level. They're operating on a whole other level right now. It must make baseball very, very tough. It's not like football where there's one game a week and there's TV deals and everybody's on national TV or regional or whatever, and all the TV deals get split up evenly. These teams are negotiating their own TV deals, and that's where they're getting all this money from. Uh, Los Angeles, New York, obviously you got to garner more TV money than Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, yada, yada, yada. So Dodgers are basically a, which they kind of already were, a Super Bowl or bus team. Oh, I'm sorry, World Series or bus team. They're 
They're the Yankees West now. They, they've uh, definitely came on in the last few years. Um, they've opened the checkbook. They've, they've got opened some the fucking... checkbook and they've committed a quarter billion dollars. I'm sorry, a half a billion dollars to two players the past two off seasons. But the thing is, is you did that for a World Series, and they did they they accomplished that. Yeah. I mean, they got what they fucking paid for, and there's they're still there. They're still and, adding to it. Yeah, and some of these teams might want to take fucking note. Like, okay, maybe we want to win too. Let's pay some fucking people. Yeah. Trevor Bauer, West Coast guy. I'm not surprised he's signing out there at all. I'm, there's a lot of Dodger fans, and Ray, our boy Ray from SoCal, big Dodgers fan. You know, he's going to be the huge Trevor Bauer defender now. So it's there's a lot of people in the Dodgers saying that he's a Bauer's a piece of shit person. They don't like his politics. That he causes trouble. Listen, this dude played for the Indians for six and a half years. Played another year and a half in Cincinnati. So he played eight years in the state of Ohio. Found very, very, very well versed on Trevor Bauer. Is he a bit of an attention seeker? Yes. Does he have an inflated sense of self? Yes. Most professional athletes have both of those qualities. Is he going to say some controversial things? Yes. Is he going to give you 110% between the white lines? Absolutely. The guy's a competitor. I think the Dodgers got a good one. We never had any problems with Trevor Bauer in Cleveland. Yeah. He might say some stupid shit from time to time, but for the most part, like, you know, granted, you don't sign Trevor Bauer to be the uh, leader of your clubhouse. <laughs> you know, but I think that, like, I think that he fits in better with the Dodgers than what he would have with the Mets because the Dodgers have, you know, your Justin Turners, your Clayton Kershaws, your, your vets. You know what I mean? Your guys that are going to – your Max Muncy. Your guys that are going to keep him in check. And he's not going to rule the clubhouse. That clubhouse is strong already. So I think the Mets, obviously, younger team, looking to accomplish more. Now, I know Lindor and Carrasco in that clubhouse now. They'd probably be able to handle him pretty well. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. You love Trevor Bauer once every five days, and other than that, like you just kind of hope he just stays quiet. Yeah, yeah, doesn't say anything. <laughs> We're gonna lock but, you in the fucking room till uh, Tuesday. But yeah, I mean, good signing by the Dodgers. Glad Bauer got his money. That's an insane amount of money for an annual salary. He holds all his own leverage. He controls his destiny. So good for him. I think that's what every athlete wants. Some athlete, well, some athletes want security. Some athletes want control. He signed a series of one-year contracts. Good for him. Uh, Major League Baseball came out and said for the 2021 season, you know, they had some special rules for the pandemic we talked about last year. They did the, uh, and they're going to keep two of the three. So they're going to go with, do away with the universal DH. So Trevor Bauer is going to have to hit for the Dodgers. Uh, you play a doubleheader, they're going to be two seven inning games and extra innings. You're going to start a guy on second base. So I, I don't love either of those, to be honest with you. Just because yeah. I think baseball is histor historically a numbers game and career stats and things like that. And you're starting to – basically guys are losing four innings. Well, that and you're, you're, uh, you're starting a guy on second base. For, for, I don't love that. And then the, the, the runner on second base, that just feels very wiffle ball. So – I don't know. Your thoughts. 
I'm a little more traditionalist when it comes to baseball, I guess. And I don't, I'm not real big on putting clocks on anything or anything like that. Um, minimizing pitch or, um, changing pitchers or mound visits. Like I'm listen, I'm not into any of that. Like to me, baseball, the best part about the game is it doesn't have a clock and all those intricacies I think are part of the game and then they're part of the strategy of the game. But the time of the game doesn't really doesn't really affect me one way or the other. And I get they're trying to attract younger fans and things of that nature, but to me, like, I don't love it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of, you know, starting a person on second base. Like, you're already putting somebody in, you know, scoring position. Like, the, I just think the, the guys before them are like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, we're out here playing, you know, 23 innings. And you guys are getting fucking guys on, you know, first base, you know, starting out at second base. I just, like I said, I'm a traditionalist. I'm used to how baseball's, you know, been played. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not a fan of the changes. All right, that's, uh, that's all I got this evening, Barry. Gotcha. All right, brother. Well, again, you know, I appreciate everybody listening. You know, we've hit a few... Of these foreign countries over here listening to us talk craziness. So, you know, I appreciate all of our listeners worldwide. You know, we uh, we love doing this show. We love giving you our our takes, our, you know, opinions. And if you don't like it, that's too bad. It's fact. Our opinions are fact. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, yeah, man, I, I absolutely enjoy this. And, you know, I I have a, a great time doing it with you. So, you know, if you folks want to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Twitter at BFrost28. Eric, drop the credentials, sir. You can follow me on Twitter at EricBrown740. But, of course, always follow the show on Twitter and Instagram by searching at Doing the Favor. Do me a favor, go to DoingTheFavor.com. Uh, sign up for a free membership. Links to all our past episodes. Merge. For the sports show, it's been a very pleasantly surprising success. Uh, we really enjoyed doing it. So thank you guys so much, and thank you Barry for doing this, man. I'm really enjoying it. Absolutely, and uh, you know, again, we appreciate you guys. Good night, and God bless. Yeah. Hey. It goes one, two, three into the four. Erica Berry, you're up with ETF, and that's for sure. If you don't come correct, you get your ass full. So take a minute and chill until the next episode. Doing the favor, always bringing the heat. That's why Barry got your girl doing legwork in the sheets. My dude Eric holding down for the streets. Them Ohio players got the years to the beat. Gotta say that we appreciate the time Whether you're on the job or trying to unwind Just a few more days until we're back live Shit, we'll be your lifeline I know you feel me on the mic with the flavor Let it marinate in something to savor We fall so hard, this is a layoff Until the next time, doing the favor Yeah, doing the favor Doing the favor. Uh, doing the favor.
the favor Until next time, doing the favor